Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to American Medicine Today, presented by the Bonatti Spine Institute. Featuring internationally acclaimed inventor of the Bonatti Spine Procedures, Alfred Bonatti, M.D., here are your hosts, Kimberly Bermel Bonatti and co-host Ethan Euchre and Jeff Wagstaff. Thank you so much for tuning in American Medicine Today. I am Kimberly Bonatti alongside Ethan Euchre. Happy to be here. Jeffrey is playing hooky this week and alongside us is world-renowned orthopedic surgeon Dr. Alfred Bonatti. Hey, Dr. Hello. We have an exciting show lined up. You'll hear a story of recovery. Then we're going to discuss illegal alien violence and then a socialist cesspool. Mm-hmm. But first, for decades, experts have believed that we're at the mercy of our genes and that natural damage to our genes makes us become sick and grow old. But what if aging is really just a treatable disease? Mm. Joining us right now is Dr. David Sinclair, professor of genetics at Harvard Medical School, one of time's most influential people and author of the new book, Lifespan, the revolutionary science of why we age and why we don't have to. I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Sinclair. Hi, Kimberly. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Yeah, we actually had you on, uh, I want to say, late mm-hmm. last year, almost a year ago now, and uh, your, I believe your book hadn't come out yet, and it was fascinating, and you sort of gave us a tease of, of what you had coming up, and I know that many of the recent breakthroughs in aging research have actually come from your lab, so tell us what you've discovered and what these vitality genes are all about. Right. Well, we've, uh, so I'm at Harvard Medical School. We have about 40 people working hard to figure out the first step, why we age, uh, and the second step, which is why we don't have to age the way we do now. So let me tell you about what people will find in, in the book. We are looking for, first of all, why we age. And in the book, I talk about uh, a theory that can explain many, if, if not all, of the last 100 years of observations about aging. We know that if we, if we don't exercise, we know that if we eat a bad diet, mm-hmm. if we're always full and we don't experience any hunger, we know that those things don't lead to a long, healthy life. Uh, what we've discovered is that there are genetic pathways that are actually underneath all of this. In our cells, every one of our cells has these longevity genes. And by living a lifestyle, um, and in some cases supplements, and, and in two cases drugs that are already on the market, we can activate those pathways and give us a much healthier life. So vigorous life into our 80s and beyond, we think. So are you referring to what's known as telomeres or telomerase? When you're talking about... Well, that's part of the story. So the the aging field uh, moved away from antioxidants in the 1990s and discovered that there are genes that protect the body. And then in terms of why we age, we declared in uh, maybe 10 years ago that there are about nine hallmarks of aging, nine main causes of aging, one of which is telomere shortening, which got a lot of attention about 20 years ago. And, you know, we declared victory. We found all nine causes of aging. But actually, what I'm saying in my book and in papers that we're we're about to publish scientifically is that those hallmarks, including telomere shortening, they don't explain why they occur in the first place. We don't yet have a theory, um, although I'm just about to put one out and it's in the book, (laughs) that what's happening to the body, to 
to make all this happen are actually what are called epigenetic changes. And epigenetic changes is just a complex word for the systems in the body that read the genes in the right way. And so I, what I'm saying is that all this bad stuff, including telomere shortening, is at its core a loss of cells' ability to read genes at the right time. And that leads to all the diseases that we, we think of in old age. So how can we treat the disease of aging so that we can stay young and youthful and vigorous, vibrant, yeah. and live a long Wouldn't time? That be nice? Yes. <laughs> right. Well, there, there are a few ways. And, and actually, I, I wrote a book because I have a lot of things to tell people about what can be done in their daily lives and what I do as well. So if folks get to part three of my book, you'll see that there's a lot more than I can talk about here. But essentially what I'm saying is that if that there, there are certain ways to keep the body in a, a slightly stressed state. Now, I'm not talking about emotional stress. I'm talking about making the body feel like there's some adversity. So that's why high-intensity training, so be out of breath while running or walking fast for 10 minutes is good. The body gets nervous that there's adversity. Being hungry, skipping a meal, sometimes two a day is what I do. That hunger puts the body in a state of perceived adversity. Um, and other things I talk about, such as hot and cold temperatures that you can expose yourself to, and other things as well, what you should eat and when you should eat, those all activate what I call the survival circuit that keeps the body reading the genes the right way the way that our cells did when we were young. That's one way. Uh, what I talk about, though, is a breakthrough in my lab that uh, we're just reporting to the scientific world that we've figured out there's a clock in the body that ticks away and that we can actually now reach in and reprogram the body to not just feel younger but literally be younger. Um, and we've done work, of course, in mice, not in humans yet because it's very early. Uh -huh. But what we've discovered is that aging is not a one-way street it's actually reversible and that opens up all sorts of possibilities for the near future so why don't you give us an exclusive here i get the you, you keep touching on the mm. fact that you have something to announce why don't why don't you do that for us i, I know you're not going to <laughs> well I, I can touch upon it because it's actually um available online if you were to do a search for my name sinclair and reprogramming and aging you would find our work already is available and so what's what the paper shows is that using currently a method called gene reprogramming, the gene therapy currently, we can reprogram parts of a mouse's old body or a damaged part of a mouse's body to repair itself as though it was very young again. Hmm. Uh, for example, if in my lab, if we take an old mouse that's over a year of age and it can't see very well, we all experience this over the age of 50, mm -hmm. we can provide a set of genes to the mouse that reprograms the retina of the eye so that the eye is not just feeling better, it's literally gone back about eight months in time and so that the mouse can now see like it was young again. Mm -hmm. And that's, we think, just the beginning of the ability to reprogram various parts of the body so that they heal and function like they did when we were young. And that's long-lasting? That's not short-term? Good question. We don't know. It's really early days. We we think it'll be long-lasting because we're reaching very deep into this epigenome and altering it, what's called DNA methylation, which is essentially mm -hmm. the real inner working of the age clock. And wow. so we, we think that these should actually be a permanent age reset. And we don't know either how many times you can reset the retina or other parts right. of the body. We don't know if it's a one-time shot, or you could reset a hundred times. 
that's what's so exciting about uh, this breakthrough. How do you see this part is fascinating? I know we should have jumped right into this stuff. Now we're out of time. um, (laughs) How far do you think you are from human trials? So for the for the molecules that mimic exercise and, and fasting, we have clinical trials ongoing across the road here at Harvard. Okay. And those are those are going very well. These are called NAD boosters, which I talk a lot about in the book. Okay. Um, but the future is that we're we're going to be trying gene therapy for patients with glaucoma. And if that works in about two and a half, three years from now, then uh, we hope that it'll be used more widely. I remember reading that it was announced by the scientific community. They were saying that the first person that's going to live to 150 years of age is already alive. There could be a baby out there right now. Do you do you agree with that sentiment? Uh, well, the point I make in my book is nothing is inevitable and everything is possible. I think it's feasible that we could bring the average age of death up to 85, 90, maybe even 100 with the technologies that we have. But it's very hard to know in 100 years from now, when, when kids who are born today will possibly still be alive, what will they have? Maybe they could pop a pill and reprogram their entire body to go back 20 years or more. Yeah. So I think it's possible that we could live far beyond what we can imagine today. I don't think I need to put a number on it. I think it's already exciting enough. Sci-fi meets science. Dr. (laughs) David Sinclair, professor of genetics at Harvard Medical School, one of time's most influential people and author of the new book, Lifespan, the revolutionary science of why we age and why we don't. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. See, when we got to that part, I'm captivated <laughs> and, and our time's Could up. Could have asked you 10 million more questions <laughs> if you had just gotten to the meat of it. But. Make sure you stay tuned. Coming up after the break, a story of recovery. You're listening to American Medicine Today, presented by the Bonatti Spine Institute, featuring internationally acclaimed inventor of the Bonatti Spine Procedures, Alfred Bonatti, MD. Once again, your host, Kimberly Bermel Bonatti and co-host Ethan Euchre and Jeff Wagstaff. Thank you so much for hanging out, listening to American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Bonatti alongside Ethan Euchre. Pleasure to be here. Yes, and along with world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Alfred Bonatti. Long live. So this particular individual has quite a story to tell. So I am just going to throw it right into our It's today's Back to Life segment, A Story of Recovery. We will talk to a patient of the Bonatti Spine Institute who went from living a life restricted by pain and discomfort through their journey of finding the Bonatti Spine Institute and now living pain-free. We truly appreciate you, Alex Childress from Sylacauga, Alabama. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. How was, how was her pronunciation of that town name, by the way? Was that on point? Uh, that was very. That is very on point, yeah. Nice. All right. All right. for Kimberly. Most people don't get it. That's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alex, why don't you – you have such an unbelievable story. So why don't you tell us how you came to be in pain? Uh, it started out about 15 years ago with a car wreck. 75 miles an hour, and you flipped your car. Not once, not twice, not four times, but five. Five times. And then I got thrown out on the third and fourth row, 200 feet. Flipped 222 feet down the highway. Oh, my God. And that kind of messing things up. One would I would imagine, and you are <laughs> not all, you, you're just lucky to be alive. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. So, apparently, you had surgery in Alaska back in 2014, 2015? Yes, ma'am. I had a microdisectomy because. I guess at that time I wasn't as worried about it because of the um, the laser. 
Okay. You know, it's not that they didn't open you up anymore as much. Right. They didn't just go ahead and fuse it. It was more like, hey, we got a laser. You won't really feel it. You'll go back to work a couple of days. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. we'll give it a try. Okay. And so what happens after that? I mean, did you fully heal from that? At that surgery, it, was, it made it better. Okay. It never took it totally away. Okay. I was still having to be on the pain meds and stuff like that. But, I mean, I was better. And then I moved to Hawaii and was doing exercises, climbing, hiking. Sure. And then I was at a red light, and somebody hit me doing a 45 miles an hour. You have some bad and luck with motor vehicles. Yeah, so everything that got fixed just got rebroke. Wow. Oof. So what do you do at that point? I mean, where where on your body did you feel the pain? Um, it was dead center of the back. Yes. And then down both legs, through the arms. I mean, just everywhere. It was just the radiating shooting pain that you could never get away from. Wow. And did they ever diagnose what your true problem was? Um, let's see. I went to, while I was in Hawaii, I probably saw 10 to 15 doctors. Okay. And their whole thing was, oh, you know, do natural therapy, do physical therapy. We don't really see anything wrong. I mean, you got a little bulge here and there. And I'm like, well, that little bulge hurts a lot more than what you are understanding. Mm -hmm. Wow. So then we did all that, and I tried everything that I could. And then I finally came home back to the States. And I was like, okay, this isn't working. Came home. I remembered Dr. Bernardi on a infomercial from about, it was right after my accident, but uh, I thought it was too new of a surgery to do it then. Okay. So when I came home, I got the MRI, started the whole process over, and then I was like, all right, send it all to the Bernardi Spine Institute. Okay. You... And then from there, it was just, I mean, just the best experience I've ever had. Okay. I wish I'd have done it 15 years earlier. You bring up something that I want to clarify. You said you thought the procedure was too new around 2006, 2007. The Bonatti Spine Institute has been performing this for about 35 years. Hmm. <laughs> right. But I didn't know enough about it then. It was new correct, to him. Correct, correct. Okay. <laughs> and then let me ask you this. You, you mentioned where it was dead center in the back, the pain, and then it, it went to the extremities. But how was it limiting your life? What were the things you could no longer do? When you're in that much pain, you can't do anything. Okay. I mean, you can't wash dishes, you can't vacuum, you can't sweep, you can't go for a ride in a car more than, you know, 10 minutes without just being in either agonizing pain or getting out walking, trying to move around to free it up. Or I mean, you you literally lay on the couch and just sit there and, like, what has my life come to? Right. And so... After your mother saw the commercial, you got the process started, and you came here finally in 2018. Yes, ma'am. What was that in-person evaluation like for you? It was like nothing I'd ever seen. I mean, I mean I've seen so many doctors mm-hmm. and their ways of doing things, and it was a totally different aura. It was a totally different feel. Mm-hmm. It was pleasant and inviting, and, you know, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to it was so welcoming, I guess you would say. Okay. And did they explain to you about the conscious IV sedation, where you'd be sedated, but they would be able to communicate with you during the procedure? Yes, ma'am, they did. They said, okay, so um, I believe, now it may be twilight, and I don't remember the twilight, but sure. 
They put me down. Mm-hmm. Or they put me, like, you know, you go to sleep, they mm-hmm. get everything ready. Yes. And then the surgeons come in or, you know, however it works. And then um, they kind of bring you back up enough to talk to you. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, we're going to touch some nerves. We're going to see what's going on and let us know which one hurts, which one you feel, which one's right. moving what. Yes. When did you notice a relief of the pain that brought you in? Because um, you're always going to feel that surgical site pain because they do make an incision. But that agonizing pain that made you seek treatment, when did you feel that lift? Immediately. Okay. And yeah. He did it, and I went home that night. Uh-huh. The next morning I got up, and I was like, wow, I can put my feet on the floor without you know having to take 30 minutes to 45 minutes to get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to ask because your story goes on. That's not where it ended. It didn't end on a happy note because six months ago you went hiking and what happened? Um, well, that because the first surgery went so well, I, I figured like, hey, I can go back out hiking. I started, you know, I started living life. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, great. And I get up about 30 feet on a rock face and... I misstepped, and when I did, my ankle went under one rock face, snapped it off the bone, flipped me off the back of the rock face, 30 feet straight down on my back onto another rock face, rolled into a tree. I have to say, if you didn't have bad luck, you might not have any luck at all. all. (laughs) I'm telling you. No, no, that's his good luck. I mean, if he has a really good luck. Because he lived? Yeah. I guess it depends on on if the 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 glass is half full or half empty. I mean, after all these things, he should be buried not six feet, around 20 feet down. (laughs) So, So the good news is you felt great enough and you went on a hike. The bad news is you got tangled up on on the mountain and you hurt yourself again. Dislocate the, the ankle. Once, once you realize that it just wasn't the ankle, what happened? When I so I thought at first it was the ankle, just because the pain was so massive because yes. the break was so bad. I was like, God, it's got to be the ankle. So after like four months, I finally am like, okay, this is not the ankle. Like I could put pressure on the ankle; it's not the ankle. Right. And then I started realizing, I started paying attention to where the pain was going. I was like, oh no, I know where this pain's from. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what happened, and I was like, I got to get back down to Florida. Right. So I called my primary. I was like, hey, I need you to get me into a pain clinic Mm -hmm. until I can get down to Florida, and we need to get some MRIs scheduled. Okay. And we did, and they're like, come on, see you on Monday. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And you you went through the procedures again, and... How how are you now? I I mean, you know, I think you got to think falling thirty feet and landing flat on your back and your neck yes. will mess some stuff up. Correct. Mm-hmm. And which is fine because Doctor Benani was great. He has got me. I could have full range of my neck. I have no pain in my neck. I have no pain in my hands. There was a time that I in one of the surgeries I asked for a pen, and Doctor Benani, why do you want a pen? I said because I can't pick up a pen up at work and I've got to have a pen. Hmm. So he hands me a pen. I'm like, okay, we're good. <laughs> the back, That's no pain, leg, no pain. Yeah, everything was phenomenal. And like, I'm to this day, I'm like, I have no pain in my neck or back. No pain. The legs, nothing. Full range of motion. Mm-hmm. Full range of motion. Total range of motion. Okay. Um, I'm still not picking anything up because 
it's, it's, it's been a process, and I don't want to mess it up. Correct. You need so, to stay. You need to stay at home in between four <laughs> walls, and and only no you are allowed to see television at long distance. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I know it. Um, so go on long walks, just not on on a flat surface. Yeah. yeah, I'm about to say not a mountain. Mountain size. And stay out exactly. of cars too. Apparently, stay out of cars, motorcycles, <laughs> bicycles. Oh, you poor thing. Roll um, around in a bubble. That's what you need to in do. In the bubble, but of course, knowing me, I'd puncture the bubble. And, <laughs> and I'd like, oh, here we go. But I am I like so glad guy. you are finally out of pain and you're well on that road to recovery. Again, just be careful of those cars. Mm-hmm. Bumper yes, bumper cars, maybe. <laughs> I, I Or maybe not. No, <laughs> so no as not to cars injure either. yourself again. I, me and Dr. Bernardi talked about it. I'm like, I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just sit in the chair and not do anything. Just retire. You're all done. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Alex Childress of Sylacauga, Alabama. Thank you for sharing your story of recovery. And boy, oh, boy, was it certainly a story of crazy. recovery. <laughs> yes. It was a crazy one, a crazy ride, but I enjoyed it. And I, I'm thankful for the Bernardi Spine Institute and everybody there. Oh. They're all wonderful. Everybody's great, friendly, and inviting. And makes you feel like you're kind of at home. Oh, thank well, you, man. But no you. more accidents, and please. Please be careful. Right, be yes, safe. absolutely. Yeah, no more accidents. Right. Continued good health. Thanks, Alex. All right. Thank you, Alex. Bye bye. Can you imagine Craziness. the magnitude and and, oh my God. and problems because of of that accident and and he suffered like that for quite Flying some time. Two hundred feet out the car. That's unbelievable. He is so lucky to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are suffering in pain like he did, reach out to Benati at Benati.com or call 855-267-0483. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about illegal alien violence. You're listening to American Medicine Today, presented by the Benati Spine Institute, featuring internationally acclaimed inventor of the Benati Spine Procedures, Alfred Benati, MD. Once again, your host, Kimberly Bermel Benati, and co-host Ethan Euchre and Jeff Wagstaff. Thank you for continuing to listen to American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Bonatti alongside Ethan Euchre. Glad to be here. And across from world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Alfred Bonatti. Hi. Now, Facebook has been long accused of removing posts, specifically those that lean right and for, you know, violating those community standards. But now it appears they're just trying to silence the victims of illegal alien violence. Hmm. Yes. And joining us right now is Marianne Mendoza, an angel mother whose son was killed by a drunk driving illegal alien in 2014. And now she claims that Facebook is censoring her posts. Thank you for joining us, Marianne. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Marianne, I know that you're in an airport and actually uh, there's probably a lot of commotion going on behind you. So we uh, appreciate you joining us. But first off, if you can, tell us about your son and what obviously tragically happened to him. My son, um, Brandon Mendoza, was a sergeant with the Mesa, Arizona Police Department. And on May 12, 2014, the very early morning hours, he was going home from work. And a repeat illegal alien criminal, over three times the legal limit drunk, high on meth. Um, he had gone over 35 miles the wrong way on the freeways in Phoenix and slammed head on into my son going 104 miles an hour. Oh, my God. And, you know, that, that day forever changed my life. I can imagine. So you, you obviously joined... Uh, a group called Angel Mothers. Uh, tell us a little bit about the group. They, um, they're typically mothers of children who were killed by illegal aliens. Well, actually, Michelle Root and myself, we co-founded AngelFamilies.com. Angel Families, and okay. And we did it because, you know, there's a lot of organizations that start up that people don't really 
experience what the people who get involved in the organization have experienced. And we wanted to be able to have a place for people to come who have experienced illegal alien crime um, and to be able to be among people who knew exactly what they were dealing with. And it's not just for people who've been killed. There's hundreds of thousands of victims of rape, assault, identity theft every year. And on top of that, you have over 70,000 overdoses from drugs that come over our southern border, and 50,000 of those people die. So, you know, 9-11 was tragic in our, in our country. Almost 3,000 people died. Yes. But what people don't realize, you know, the figure is closer to 25,000 a year that die, or actually 50, it's closer to 60,000 people that die every year from things that come over our southern border, criminals and drugs. Wow. And you have also teamed up with We Build the Wall. Is that correct? Yes. Um, Brian Colbad started that in December of 2018, along with the co-founder, Amanda Shea. They called me and asked me to be an, a consultant and on mm-hmm. the advisory board. And it was a natural fit because angel families are the end result of open borders. And so I've been very proud to be a part of that with my fellow Americans. Mm-hmm. They donated their money to put their money where their mouth is and do something that our elected officials in, in D.C. refuse to do, and that's protect Americans and steal our borders. Yes. And let's put the spotlight back on the reason why you're here. You said that Facebook was censoring your post. What type of post were removed not only by Facebook and Twitter – what types of posts were they? Well, on Twitter, there were six tweets that they told me I had to remove, and they were dealing with responding to Nancy Pelosi and Camilla Harris and Diane Feinstein and Joe Kennedy and a few others, um, reminding them that they are fighting to protect illegal aliens in our country and also using the hashtag blood on your hand in reference to with your lack of, of securing our borders, you have blood on your hands of every innocent American that's killed by an illegal alien criminal. And Facebook is just removing a lot of my posts that actually, you know, I repost articles. One of them was a Breitbart article that I took a quote out of the actual article and put mm-hmm. that as my typed area. Right. And uh, Breitbart got a hold of them and complained that, you know, I didn't type any of my own words. It was just a quote from the Breitbart article. Right. And uh, they put that one back up, but... So they're, they're censoring me on both of those platforms. They will not allow me to do a donate button on, the, on my Angel Family Facebook page because they said I violated their community standards too many times. And I'm trying to get my 501c3 Angel Mom's Facebook page with a donate button. Mm-hmm. But they're having me send in articles of incorporation, bank statements, the front and back of my driver's license. They're making me oh, isn't that cute to get anybody to be able to donate to our cause. Interesting. And so freedom of speech works for Every liberal in the universe. If you're liberal, except you get freedom of speech, yeah. Correct. <laughs> so, and, you know, a lot of our angel families are getting, you know, if they're associated with me or they've retweeted some of my stuff or, or reposted some of my stuff on Facebook, they are getting targeted in, in the aftermath of that also. Have you been having uh, any success? I, I believe you you did Fox and Friends. I mean, is are any media outlets other than ourselves, and like I said, I believe Fox and Friends, picking up your story, trying to get the message out there that apparently if you're Republican or conservative in any sense, mm-hmm. you're going to be censored by these social media platforms. But if you're a liberal, you can just say whatever the hell you want. Right. You can even call for people's deaths, right. and it doesn't violate those community standards. I've had people tweet to me that you're your pig son deserved to die, and you deserve to die at the hands of a drunk, illegal alien criminal just like your son. And I've reported them, and I get messages back that they haven't violated community standards. What? Go wow. figure. 
you know, we, we, we've just got to keep fighting. We cannot, we cannot stop. I know that they think that illegal alien, that we're attacking a race, and illegal aliens are not a race. They are people illegally present in our country, and I'm going to continue using the proper term that the Supreme Court has approved that that's exactly what they are. Right. They're not legally here. Right. And anyone that is, that is not supposed to be somewhere is that's where the term alien comes from. There's there's Correct. nothing wrong with that. It's right. just the left likes to say it's dehumanizing. You know, it's almost right. racist in a sense. Marianne, have well, you undocumented immigrants? That's not what they are. They haven't filled out one bit of paperwork to try and become an immigrant in this country. Correct. They are flooding our borders, walking over, claiming asylum, yes. and ninety four percent of those people will not qualify for asylum. Yet the liberals want them mm-hmm. to just be allowed to come into the interior of the United States. And at this point, as of last week, we have spent $198 billion in this country supporting illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Look, I want to know what programs Congress has stolen that $198 billion from, because they're going after our president from taking money out of the military mm-hmm. fund to build the wall. Yet Congress has no problem stealing $198 billion out of God knows what programs. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I shudder to think, but could it be um, <clears throat> Social Security? Yeah, right. People have paid their whole lives for, or at least a large portion of it. Now, Marianne, a quick question. Um, have you gotten with, say, a constitutional attorney? Have you sort of sought out any sort of legal recourse? Because that's got to be violating your First Amendment rights. I talked to an attorney after Twitter had suspended me, but the antitrust laws protect Facebook and and. Twitter, they, you know, they can't do it. We can't do anything. We can't sue them. And, you know, thank goodness we've got some members of Congress who are working on changing the antitrust laws because this is wrong what they're doing. And it is a movement. And we know that George Soros was, is behind silencing all conservatives, you know, prior to the 2020 mm-hmm. election. It's only going to continue getting worse. Now, is- so I started my own blog. It's mamendoza480.com. And I'm setting myself up because, you know, a permanent ban's going to come. I, I'm, a, I'm expecting it from both platforms. Mm-hmm. But I've got my blog set up so that people can follow and, and I can still get my message out uncensored. So, yeah, so obviously the only person that can censor your own blog is yourself and you're not going to do that. So that's, that's right. a good move. Right. Um, back to We Build the Wall for a minute. Uh, you said that they put you on the board for that. Have you been down to the border? We've spoken with a lot of people from We Build the Wall mm-hmm. Um, including Jennifer Lawrence and some of the others involved, Tom Tancredo, others. Have you been down to the border as well? Because uh, I know a lot of them oh, have. Absolutely. And what have you I seen down, down there? there what- when they were building our first section of wall, we had the big wall reveal. We've got our second uh, project in the works right now. It's going to be an exciting piece and where it's located. And what We Build the Wall is doing is concentrating on the mile, two-mile gaps that are in the government wall and supplementing that and getting that put in because – a lot of those pieces are undone. The Army Corps of Engineers said the piece that we did in Sunland Park, they couldn't do that because of a 31% grade up the side of the mountain. But Fisher Industries um, from Coolidge, Arizona, teamed up with We Build the Wall, and we accomplished that in 10 days. 0.8 of a mile you know, up the side of a mountain, 31% grade, and it was amazing to watch it happen because it's a complete security package. It's not only the wall that goes seven feet into the ground encased in cement and rebar. Mm-hmm. It's a paved road for Border Patrol. It is light, a lighting system. It's cameras, and it's sensors underground that detect walking, digging, or driving within 60 feet of either side of the fence. Fabulous. So the Border Patrol was thrilled when they saw our finished product because it just offers them the complete security package that they need. And at the top of that hill, at the top of that mountain, we have a landing pad, 
that the Border Patrol can park their vehicles. They can see 25 miles into Juarez, Mexico, and they can see 20 miles into the United States. So they can keep a visual if there has been a breach. But the wall that we put up has had 100% success. There's not been one breach of the area wall that we put up in Summit Park. That wow. is amazing. And it just reinforces the terminology, yes, you can. Absolutely. You can, even when people and, tell and you, the, you can't, you po- can't. This was possible because of Americans who took their wallets out and put their money, yes. you know, and, and trusted Brian that he was going to do something good with it. And, and he has proven that he's trustworthy and that he's he's doing exactly what he said he would. But we've got every American who donated to that wall. That's who we have to thank, folks, everybody who participated in that. Yes. Absolutely. Well, That's keep up fantastic. the good work. That's uh, that's fantastic. And once again, Marianne, uh, give out the name of your group and your blog uh, if anybody listening or watching wants to check you out. If you want to donate to the next section of wall we're going to build, it's webuildthewall.us. And if you'd like to keep up with Angel Families, it's angelfamilies.com. And you can also go to makeamericasafeagaintour.com. Um, we just finished a nine-day tour across the United States speaking out. And we are going to be doing many, many more Angel Family Town Halls. If you feel that this is something beneficial for your area, please contact us and let us know. And we can arrange to have an Angel Family Town Hall coming to you soon and, and getting all the information that we have that you'll never hear from the politicians or the, or the media. Oh, well, God bless you for all the work that you're doing. Um, Marianne Mendoza, angel mother whose son was killed by a drunk driving illegal alien in 2014. And Facebook, shame on you, you. for censoring um, conservatives' post. It's disgusting. Make sure you stay tuned. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the socialist cesspool. We'll have more. You're listening to American Medicine Today, presented by the Bonatti Spine Institute, featuring internationally acclaimed inventor of the Bonatti Spine Procedures, Alfred Bonatti, MD. Once again, your host, Kimberly Bermel Bonatti, and co-host Ethan Euchre and Jeff Wagstaff. Thanks for continuing to listen to American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Bonatti, alongside Ethan Euchre. Happy to be here. Yes, and world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Alfred Bonatti. Hello. It's time to see what's lurking in the socialist cesspool. Got to drain that swamp, Doc. Yeah. We're working on it. We're getting there, right? Yeah. Needs to be longer, though. (laughs) Longer flush? (laughs) Longer flush. I'd rather just be a quick flush and get him out of here. That's what I'm saying. That's what we need to do. So let's, let's talk about what is going on on San Francisco. Okay. It's kind of depressing. It is depressing because it's one of the most beautiful cities. They have one billionaire for every 11,600 people is one of the areas with more billionaires. Wait, those are the bad people. (laughs) Stress that again, Doc, the the statistic you just gave. One billionaire for every 11,600 residents. Yes. That's out of control. That's it is totally out of control. Mm-hmm. Imagine the amount of billions that there are in that city. Mm. Not only that, but at the same time they have the other problem. They have homeless in an incredible disproportion of the mm-hmm. society. They have right. tent cities all over the place. But come right? on, they just gave a bunch of jobs to people. They get to clean up the poop on the streets. <laughs> Human poop. Hey. Not just pets. Hey, a job's a job, right, Kimberly? Well, I, you know, pooper well, scooper. Pooper scoopers are needed. Yes, uh, for the animals. The problem is, what is the definition of homeless? The federal definition is people who lives in the streets, mm-hmm. people who lives in cars, 
or people who live in shelters. Right. And that's it. But the Californians increase the definition to different level. It's also people that are in the hospitals or people that are in shelters and, uh, and people that are receiving some sort of an aid. So suddenly these definitions are being manipulated by the no, they're being manipulated by mm-hmm. the by the politicians there. Mm-hmm. And they initially was 17% was the number of homeless in, in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But when you really apply the definition of uh, homeless from California, it's around 30%. Right, but they do that to up the government aid, am I correct? Well, the problem is – You can fluff your numbers. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that is what they need. Right. That's what they want. Okay. But the only problem is that is 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 playing against them because 30 percent of, of homeless is an incredible amount of population in the city. Mm-hmm. Now, the politicians blame that one to the industry. They are saying the fact that the homeless are increasing is because they have a – Big companies like uh, Twitter or like uh, Facebook or like um, Google, uh, Microsoft, Microsoft, all and those. all these ones, they are they are moving there and they are creating high pay jobs. So when you create the high pay jobs, you have more homeless. You have more. You what? Yes, that's 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 what happened. And what it is is the cost of living in, in the city mm-hmm. is extremely expensive. Right. right. So they cannot buy houses. They rent houses. When these people come to this location, uh-huh. then suddenly the prices of the rents go up. Right. So the people who is in those in those houses, they are being uh, uh, they are being forced out. Forced out. Yeah, priced and out basically. Exactly, yeah. priced out. Mm-hmm. So these people then goes to the street. And uh, the lower amount of money that you can that you can make in the city mm-hmm. is one hundred and seventeen thousand per year. That's the lowest. That is the lowest for a family of four people. Okay. Bef- before you qualify as Be- low no, income. That no, that is low income. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Even if you're making one hundred seventeen thousand, it's a low income. You're still considered low income. Low well, in- God yeah. only knows yeah. they tax you at least fifty percent of what you make. Right. Well, the major trouble also is that for a, for a person, the single person is eighty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. In New York, eighty five thousand dollars classified for low income in a people of in a, in in a family of four four people. Right now, the problem with this situation is that. The people cannot buy houses. Mm-hmm. A normal house that will cost two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in this area costs one point seven million. Yeah, they, they don't exist. I mean. Yeah, and then they cannot buy it. Mm-hmm. So the rent fluctuates so much that they are throwing a lot of people on the streets. But but aren't these corporations really want to go there when there's needles on the streets? There's poop all Human over the streets. All over. But yeah. I mean, maybe they have beautiful gardens. I I don't know. Well, fer- that's a fertilizer reference. Yeah, but this is like this that. is okay. this is this is one of the democratic. They like going green. <laughs> well, this is one of the democratic good ideas, mm-hmm. and the democratic good idea is how this happened. Is they, Pelosi? 
Yeah, and, and all the, the Democrats that they mm-hmm. participate on this, this, the city Democrats, yeah. they decide that they're going to change some type of a statutory position on the, on the law. Mm-hmm. So they, they look at the law and they said, if we change felony, uh, for a lower type of a, uh, a offense, offense, mm-hmm. uh, in like misdemeanor, mm-hmm. right? Then we will create a more amount of uh, prosecutors available for the bigger crimes, mm-hmm. and we we have more police to police the bigger crimes. But when they did that change, they forgot that in mis- in, in felonies are the drug addictions and right. the sale of drugs, mm-hmm. and then they put instead to have a felony now. They become a misdemeanor that is doesn't need jail. I mean, it's, right. it's a misdemeanor. It's just slap on the rest and, and fine. Slap on the rest and yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. So what happened is they move populations now of drug addiction and people who's committing minor crimes like shoplifting mm-hmm. and things like that, and they populate now the, the city with this type of population. <laughs> so they have not only a problem of of homeless, but all these homeless on the country. They know now they are not going to be placed in prison, so they're flooding there. That's where they're there. going to. It's a, it's the new homeless mecca. Exactly. Can we San have Francisco. the build the wall group just literally <laughs> wall build off the San wall Fran. and just California. do away with California? I'm sorry, the good ones got to get out and leave them to just self destruct. I would love that. Ah. Uh, That's a law I could see passing. Anyway, thank you for listening and watching American Medicine today. Make sure you check us out nationally on WGN America, Saturdays at 8.30 a.m. And don't worry about the buffoons on Bloomberg. (laughs) They're too concerned with a conservative message getting out until after the 2020 elections. (laughs) I'm quoting them. (laughs) Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.